0: Ready, and? This is the Daily Oz. This is the Daily Oz. This is the Daily Oz. Oh, now it makes sense. Good morning and welcome to the Daily Oz. It is Friday the 16th of February. I'm Billy. I'm Emma. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese has released a joint statement with the leaders of Canada and New Zealand that warns Israel against invading Rafah, a city in southern Gaza where 1.5 million Palestinian people are taking refuge. It comes as Israel has increased airstrikes into Rafah and is planning a ground offensive into the city. Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has this week said quote it is impossible to achieve the goal of the war of eliminating Hamas by leaving four Hamas battalions in Rafa before we get into explaining that Emma what is making headlines today
1: Australia's unemployment rate rose from 3.9 to 4.1 percent in January. The figure refers to the percentage of people who were looking for work last month but couldn't find a job. Over 14 million people are employed in Australia, while more than 5,000 people lost work last month, according to the latest data from the Bureau of Statistics. Despite the increase in unemployment, Treasurer Jim Chalmers said 4.1% is still considered historically low. The five-year unemployment average before the pandemic was around 5.5%.
0: New South Wales has announced a new task force to investigate several recent asbestos discoveries in garden mulch. The discoveries have led to the closure of several parks and a school in Sydney's southwest. Asbestos was also found at the planned site of popular Mardi Gras event Fair Day, which has now been cancelled. The task force will meet for the first time today. The state's Environmental Protection Authority is also engaged in what Environment Minister Penny Sharp called a complex criminal investigation. Crowds of farmers in India have been met with tear
1: gas during protests for better produce prices in New Delhi. Farmers' calls for the government to increase minimum prices for their crops culminated in a march to the capital this week. Authorities responded to the protests by deploying tear gas on the crowds from drones. Some farmers have used kites to try to bring the drones down and stop them from spraying more gas.
0: And today's good news, Aussies have picked up gold medals at the World Aquatics Championships in Doha this week, including 32-year-old diver Rhiannon Ifland, who dove from a height of 20 metres to take out the top spot. Sadly, that category is not included in the Olympics. But some more good news, Australia has won some other gold in swimming, diving and open water swimming competitions.
1: Billy, before we talk about what's unfolding in Rafa, can you first just share a bit of brief context on the current situation?
0: Yeah, and I'll preface it by saying, which we have said before on this podcast when we've talked about this, that it is an extremely complex topic and there is a long history of conflict here that in a 10-minute podcast we can't get into. But I'll give a brief background starting from what happened on October 7. So on the 7th of October last year, Hamas launched an attack on Israel, and according to data cited by the United Nations, roughly 1,200 people were killed in that attack. Now, about 240 hostages were captured by Hamas, which controls Gaza, and about 134 of those hostages remain captive. Israel responded to that attack by declaring war and bombarding Gaza. Gaza. According to data cited by the UN, more than 28,000 Palestinians have been killed in Gaza since the 7th of October. Israel's war in Gaza has caused a humanitarian crisis. Israel has said it will not stop fighting until all hostages are returned and Hamas is destroyed. And so yesterday,
1: we had this statement from three prime ministers, including Australia's concerning Rafah, which is a city in Gaza. So, Billy, what do we need to know about Rafah?
0: Well, I'll start by saying that at the start of Israel's war in Gaza, the military's focus was on the north of the territory, and that caused civilians to flee to southern areas of Gaza, including Rafah, which is why there are now 1.5 million people taking refuge there. But since the initial focus on the north, Israel's military has since moved southwards and they have indicated that they do plan to invade Rafah. Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has this week said, It is impossible to achieve the goal of the war of eliminating Hamas by leaving four Hamas battalions in Rafah. His office also said civilians would need to be evacuated from combat zones ahead of a ground offensive. So from Israel's perspective, they're saying that there is a presence of Hamas in Rafah. And this week, Israeli forces rescued two hostages in Rafah. Now, Rafah is approximately 64 square kilometers, meaning there are nearly 22,000 people per square kilometer. And that makes it one of the most population dense locations in the world right now. Now, this city is also a critical point of entry for trucks delivering humanitarian aid. In November, a UN official called the crossing an outrageously thin lifeline of food, water, fuel and electricity for Gaza's population. And Billy, this crossing that we've heard a lot about in terms of aid access borders Egypt, is that correct? Yes, which is why it's such a critical point for humanitarian aid to get to the Palestinian people who are in Gaza. Now, the United Nations has also said that the population in Rafah is, quote, staring death in the face. They have little to eat, hardly any access to medical care, nowhere to sleep and nowhere safe to go. It also added, quote, military operations in Rafa could lead to a slaughter in Gaza. They could also leave an already fragile humanitarian operation at death's door.
1: And so that brings us to this week, this statement from these three world leaders. We have the Prime Ministers of Australia, New Zealand and Canada, Anthony Albanese, Christopher Luxon and Justin Trudeau. What have they said in this statement?
0: Yeah, it's also not the first time that these three leaders have given a statement. The last time was to call for a sustainable ceasefire. But yesterday, they again released a statement, and I'm going to read out a part of it. It's a lengthy statement that we have briefly cut down, but in the show notes, we will link to the full statement for you to read if you would like, but I'll just read out some of it. So it said, quote, We are gravely concerned by indications that Israel is planning a ground offensive into Rafah. A military operation into Rafah would be catastrophic. About 1.5 million Palestinians are taking refuge in the area, including many of our citizens and their families. We urge the Israeli government not to go down this path. There is simply nowhere else for civilians to go. An immediate humanitarian ceasefire is urgently needed. And just a reminder here, a ceasefire, as defined by the United Nations, is when all sides, so in this case Israel and Hamas, commit to halting violence and entering talks. And these talks are sometimes facilitated by a third party. And you might remember there was a temporary ceasefire last year, but that didn't last for longer than a week. The statement also said, quote, the International Court of Justice has been clear, Israel must ensure the delivery of basic services and essential humanitarian assistance and must protect civilians. So, the International Court of Justice, or you might have heard it referred to as the World Court, it recently heard a case brought by South Africa against Israel over accusations of genocide, and the prime ministers there are referring to a part of the ICJ's provisional ruling. And this is just the last bit of the statement that I'll read out. It said, quote, any ceasefire cannot be one-sided. Hamas must lay down its arms and release all hostages immediately. We again unequivocally condemn Hamas for its terror attacks on Israel on October 7. Ultimately, a negotiated political solution is needed to achieve lasting peace and security. So this statement from those leaders
1: came after the foreign minister, Penny Wong, made some comments herself about the situation in Rafa. What did she say?
0: Yeah, so Penny Wong, she is the foreign minister. She said that invading Rafa would create a risk of significant civilian casualties that she said would be, quote, unjustifiable. And she said there is growing international consensus against the proposed military operation into Rafa. So it's very similar to what the Prime Minister said in their joint statement. So just going off Penny Wong's statement, she said this idea of you know a growing
1: international consensus against the proposed military operation into Rafa. When we think of the big players here, what about the US? Have we heard from them on this?
0: Yeah, so the US as I'm sure many of you will know, is one of Israel's closest allies. This week, US President Joe Biden, he held a press conference and he did speak about the situation in Rafa. Here's a bit of what he said.
1: As I said yesterday, our military operation in Rafa, the major military operation in Rafa, should not proceed without a credible plan, a credible plan for ensuring the safety and support of more than one million people sheltering there. Many people there have been displaced, displaced multiple times, fleeing the violence to the north, and now they're packed into Rafah, exposed and vulnerable. They need to be protected. And we've also been clear from the start, we oppose any forced displacement of Palestinians from Gaza. So it's clear a number of world leaders are focusing on Rafah, and we will be sure to keep you updated on what happens from here. Billy, thank you so much for unpacking that for us today. Not a simple topic, but we really appreciate it. And as Billy mentioned earlier in the episode, if you want to look at that statement in full, there is a link in the show notes. And as always, we will keep a close eye on this one at The Daily Oz and continue to keep you updated. Thanks so much for joining us on today's episode. We'll be back on Monday.
0: My name is Lily Madden, and I'm a proud Aranda, Bundjalung, Kalkadoon woman from Gadigal country. The Daily Oz acknowledges that this podcast is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people and pays respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations. We pay our respects to the first peoples of these countries, both past and present.